Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church's online services. We are so excited to have you here today. Please be sure to subscribe to NECC on all social media platforms. And if you wanna watch this message again or some of our other messages, you can always look us up on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. Why do I have this hat? Because I left it here last week. That simple. Wasn't that fun last week? Cow tongues, bull whips. Um, I want to give a special shout out, birthday shout out to Luke Hodge. Is he in the house? Is he in the room? I've, I've experienced like about 10 of your birthdays, 11 of your birthdays, and I uh, want to just uh, say congratulations on turning 21. Um, also, I'd like for you to pray for the young at heart. I am the bus driver for the uh, fall foliage, and I've got road rage and a speed problem. So I don't know what's going to happen, but in fact, that's going to be great. We are filled up on that trip, by the way. Actually, we forgot to put a cap on it, so we're actually over the number. But if you wanted to come and put some people in your car and you don't mind driving, we're just going to head up, try to get up to the Franconia Notch, take in the experience ride the tram up there, get some, get some breakfast, probably closer up there. Um, we're tossing around the ideas, but like there's a place, Peggy's. Anybody ever go to Peggy's? Yeah, buddy. You just had to, if you know Peggy's, you just went, oh, yes. Um, but I, this has been a, a, an insane couple of months. I want to thank you for your prayers for me with the loss of... Uh, uh, Uncle Bobby, with the loss of my dear friend Chuck Zerley, um, with uh, going back and forth with my parents. They're just kind of, they're withering in front of my eyes. And uh, But I continue to go down there and see them. So uh, I'm working hard, but at the same time, I'm traveling back and forth between Connecticut, making sure I do everything that I need to do here, but also that I'm with them there. And some of you have already been down that road and I wanna say thank you for your encouragement. You're like, I totally get that. I get that phase. Um, but uh, it, it, there's a time to die. And so it's just, it's, I'm just grateful that I've had my parents as long as I have had them. And so we're just uh, believing that God's gonna, God's gonna give them quality of life in this time. So I wanna thank you for, for that and knowing that um, uh, I appreciate your prayers. So I got two jokes. They have nothing to do with the message. Should I tell one of them? Yeah? I'm going to flip a coin. Okay, I'm telling one. Um, there is a little kid, and he calls 911. And uh, he hangs up, and all of a sudden, they they call back, and they're like, what, what in the world's going on? And uh, he goes, hello. And uh, the, guy, the guy goes, son, what's, what's going on? Or I'm sorry, I got it wrong. There's a little kid, he picks, uh, the phone rings, and he picks it up, and there's a salesman on there. How many of you have gotten offers for solar panels and windows? Something like that. So he's like, hello. And he goes, uh, hey, little kid. He goes, um, how are your parents doing? Or, uh, can I talk to your dad or mom? And he goes, no. And he goes, well, wh why can't I? And he goes, they're busy. Busy with what? He goes, they're talking to the firemen. And he goes, the firemen? He goes, my goodness. He goes, uh, 
uh, uh, well, maybe I could talk to your mom or whatever. He goes, she's busy too. And he goes, Why, who is she talking with? And he goes, the policeman. And he goes, you mean to tell me, little boy, that, that your mom and your dad are talking to the policeman and the fireman? Why are you whispering? He says, what? He goes, because they're looking for me. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Anyway, it has nothing to do with what we're doing. Let's pray. God would help us here. Lord, thank you so much for today. Just pray your blessing. And uh, you are the God that takes things that are natural and average and makes them super. And so that's what I pray you do with this word today. You would just, you would add yourself to the ingredient of it in where we are in our life, and you would just do super things with us, in us, and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that amen. Yep, and you too. So if you turn with me to the, to the book of Luke, we've been just kind of doing this, this brief series here after going through the book of uh, Luke, I meant James, turn to the book of James, and uh, you can see I'm not sleeping much, right? And we've, we've titled this Faith in Motion. The thing I love about James is he's like, you, you gotta, your faith needs to be in action, and a lot of the things he talks about is really just telling the church, like, hey, these are just everyday life things that really need to be at work in your life for this thing to work. And so he just does everything of like, hey, let's talk about your talk. Let's talk about favoritism between wealthy and poor people. I'm so grateful that I'm part of a church that we go out on a regular basis to reach the people on Appleton Street. Let me tell you, this church has reached so many people in downtown Lowell on Appleton Street that that, and a lot of that is because of Pastor Bertrand with, with Jacob's Well. A lot of that is with Junior. But now you guys are beginning to get involved in it. And if I could just say this today, if you just plan on going back and watching Netflix and you've never been to serve our city, you need to just change your agenda, stick around church, and just give an hour to take in what's going on there. Because God moves when we find a need and meet it, when we find a hurt and heal it and we find the joy of serving. And so I just encourage you, if you've never done that, this time or the next time it happens, we're in the middle of trying to purchase a trailer that will be year round, that we'll be able to put a platform down on the front and on the side, and that it'll be, and we'll be able to enclose it so when it's 95 degrees in the summer, we can have AC. When it's uh, um, 90 below in the winter, we can have heat. And nonstop, we'll be able to mobily go through the city and share Jesus over a cup of coffee with people. And that's just powerful. Some of you are naturals at this and you just got to do it. And some of you are scared of it and you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You have more to give than you realize. And so today I want to speak with you through James of like putting into action a faith that works, a faith that works. Let me start here in chapter two, turn to James chapter two, and I'm going to read Right here, beginning at verse 14, James chapter 2, verse 14. Thanks again for those of you online. Let me read this to all of you here and in the cloud. James chapter 2, 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? Can it? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food and one of 
you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So he's asking us the question. He's saying, can you really say that you have a Christian faith, a faith, a part of the faith as a whole, not just believing in Jesus, but that you are the kind of person that you have been, you've surrendered to God, you're on your way to heaven if you're doing nothing. And And he's telling us here, that makes about as much sense as seeing somebody who is naked or starving or poor, and you say, hey, man, better days, God bless you, and you just walk by them having the need to, having the ability to meet that need, but doing nothing about it. Then he goes on and he said, uh, he says, what good is that? So also by itself, uh, faith by itself, it does not, uh, if it does not have works, it's dead. It's almost the same idea. If your spirit is not in your body, it's dead. If you see somebody's need and you ignore it, what good is that? What good is it to say that you have a faith that does nothing? But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. And then he goes and he says, well, let me tell you something. Show me your faith apart from your works. Good luck with that. Show me your faith apart from your deeds. I will show you my faith with my deeds. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Think about this. He's sitting there, he's saying, you, you, you believe in God? Congratulations. The devil does that. What difference does that make? How are you any different than the devil? The de- you know what's funny is that atheists believe there is no God, but Satan totally is fully convinced and believes that God exists. And believers can say that, they, that he exists, but if they're believing in him but they're doing nothing, what good is that? But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to, sh- uh, do you want to be shown, uh, you foolish person, don't take that personal, that's not me, that's James, by the way. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is youth- useless? You need an example, in other words. He says, was not Abraham, our father, justified by works? when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Now, for those of you that don't know this story, Abraham was a guy that God called out of the New York City of his world, told him to go to a place, the promised land of Canaan, of Israel. And while he was there, he was 80 years old, God said, I'm going to give you a child. And his wife laughed because he says, what person in a nursing home has children? And she laughs and they give, she actually gives birth to a child, and they name him Isaac, which means laughter. God fulfills that promise, but he moves, he comes into the land, and then God says to him, you know that son that I gave you? You know that miracle that I did for you? Now go on top of a mountain and offer him as a sacrifice to me. And what does Abraham do? He obeys. It says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac, on the altar, you see that faith was active alongside with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. 
Now, everything that I'm reading here right now goes against every single message that we have heard concerning salvation on the surface, doesn't it? I thought we were saved by grace, through faith, not of works so that no one can boast. And here James is writing, now you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And then he goes on, he says, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. And he gives a second example. He says, let me give you some examples. Here's Abraham. He's the father of faith, but he was doing stuff that showed that his faith was active. Here's Rahab, and here she is. She's, she's not even a godly woman. The Bible says that she's a prostitute, and yet uh, in the story, in the book of Joshua, they send in two spies to spy out the city, and, they, and she helps them. The king says, where did they go? And she says, they went that way. Because she knew that, that God was going to give the city to them, that God was with them. And she said, listen, I know that this city's going to fall and uh, I, I want to make your people my people, your God my God. And, and he, she, they told her, they said, tie a scarlet scarf, a thread, you know, we, it could, we could just simplify it that way, and leave it hanging out of your house and we'll know not to attack that house. And if you read the story, it says that the Israelites walked around the city, the walls fell, they went in and they decimated it. Nobody lived except Rahab and those that were with her. And so now she's given us this example. How in the world does that make sense with the gospel if I'm called and I'm saved by grace through faith and not of works? We're gonna need God's help to unpack this this morning. And so let's ask him one more time. Father, Father, <laughs> I just pray that you give the words that are helpful for people to put their faith in motion and not just simply emotion. And we ask you to touch this time. It's your word. Breathe on it. In Jesus' name, amen. So can you, my question is this. Can you make a confession of faith, a claim to be a Christian, without an expression of faith in your actions? I don't think so. No more than saying that you help the poor, James says, simply with words. Uh, there, now, here's the thing is, is that when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, you come before him, not because of all the stuff you did and you earn the right. You come before him with an empty open hand and you say, I have nothing to offer you but shame, disgrace, sin. Here's my sin. Jesus dies on the cross to pay the penalty for that sin. He makes that exchange. But what do you do with your life from that moment forward? This is the difference between what James is talking about and what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about how you come to Christ. James is talking about how you walk out your Christian life in Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? It's very different because it can get, it can get confusing. Listen to these couple of verses from the Apostle Paul. He says this, he says, in Romans chapter 3, verse 28, he says, For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart 
from the works of the law. And then in Galatians, he wrote this, a person is justified not by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. When Paul is talking, he's talking about the, the law proper, about how you eat your food, kosher, how you observe the Sabbath, how you keep the commandments, how you do this, that, and the other thing. And, and it was easy in Judaism to get in the trap to think that you were literally earning your salvation. And so Jesus shows up and he blows up the whole thing and he says, listen, you do this not because I'm not accepting you as my chosen people because you're special. You're special because I've chosen you and I forgive you and I give you grace. But now I want you to walk out that faith. So James comes in and the way that he phrases it is he talks about the perfect law of liberty. He's talking about the great command that we talk about all the time, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, and love your enemy. Jesus is the only one that says all three of those. Love the Lord, love your neighbor as if they were you, and love your enemies. That third one is difficult. I have a friend in the Middle East, he said to us once, he said this, he said, you Christians have the answer for peace between the Muslims and the Jews and the world. He says, if you really did what Jesus said, love your enemy, if people really did that, it would change the entire Middle East. There'd be no need for trying to get negotiations with Iran or trying to settle tensions in Syria. And James, James is just trying to bring it down to earth. And Martin Luther, who is the father of the Reformation in the time of the 1600s, he was a Catholic monk, he was a Catholic scholar, and he's translating the book of Romans and reads some of the verses that we just read. And all of a sudden, God speaks to him. Wait a second, I'm saved by grace through faith, not by how many prayers I pray. I'm saved by grace through faith, not by how much money I pay. In the time of Martin Luther, they were building, I think it was St. Peter's Cathedral. It could, be, it could be another one. It escapes me right now. But they would go out through the towns and they would say, if your mom or dad has died, your grandma or grandpa has died, if you pay enough money, maybe we can move them out of a worse setting in hell or out of a worse setting in purgatory and make them get closer to God in heaven. I mean, that's, think about that. That's, ex, that's gross extortion, isn't it? We're going to take them an offering right now. How many of you want to go to heaven? Well, that all depends on how much you give in the next 10 minutes. $10,000 will buy you a seat next to Didymus, the disciple of Jesus. $5,000 will get you next to John. $5 million will get you next to Jesus. I mean, like, you can't, it just doesn't work that way, does it? We're saved by grace through faith and not of works so that nobody can boast. But the Catholic Church was going throughout the world trying to raise money. And Martin Luther is having a revival in his heart because God says, my word says you're saved by grace through faith and not of works so that no one can boast. So what does he do? He goes to the Sistine Chapel, boom, 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 nails up his... 95, 96 theses. I'm off by one there, but I said them both in case I'm right. And, uh, and nobody even really cared, to be honest with you. 
It was when his preaching about you're saved by grace started to affect the money that was coming in for the cathedral. That's when the papal mob put a hit out for him. They literally did. See, when you talk about Martin Luther, Martin Luther, he had trouble with the book of James because he was reading it from his point of view in a time where people were getting shook down in such inappropriate ways, saying that if you pay, you get closer to God and you get closer to heaven and you can buy people up to a better place. It's like upgrading your seat, right? Like who would not want that? Who would not want your car upgraded when, you know, but you had to pay for that. That was what Luther was saying. But what James is talking about is saying, if you say that you're a Christian, is there enough evidence in your life and lifestyle to convict you of it? Does, do your lips and your life line up with your walk? Do you talk about the love of God and talk down to the world around you? Do you run to God and ask for forgiveness and take forgiveness, but totally walk around in bitterness and unforgiveness? Do you talk about the poor and their plight and do nothing to help it? Do you talk about Jesus cleaning the feet of the disciples, but never bother cleaning garbage you find on the ground? Now, in the Pacific Northwest, they're crazy about that. Styrofoam is from the devil. Um, but think about that. Let me just read a couple of quotes here from the early church fathers, the people that were close to the time of when James is written and when they were living their life. One of them said, faith saves and then lives by doing its own works. Doesn't that sound sharp? Faith saves and then it lives by doing its own works. In other words, if Jesus saves me, and it's not by works, it's by grace. Of course, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna sit still. I'm gonna do whatever that person needs. It's almost like a friend who saves your life and years later you find out that they're, that they're really sick and they can't shovel their driveway anymore. And you're like, you're never gonna have to worry about your driveway ever again. I'm gonna shovel it. You're not doing that because you owe a debt to them, you're doing it because you owe gratitude to them and you're saying, thank you for doing what you did for me and I'm gonna show you that expression over and over again. I remember uh, another quote here, lacking work, lacking works, faith is dead. Another early church father said this, those who practice evil but think that they have faith are confused. Words alone do not help the hungry. And then this one, no one receives the gift of salvation, justification on the basis of merit on works, derived from works and performed beforehand. James comes along and he says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have works. And he says, show me your faith apart from works, but I'll show you my faith at work. Do you know what's interesting? That word works or the Greek there is a word for deeds. It's, it's, it literally means um, it literally means doing things. And the opposite of it, the opposite word of it, argos, literally means useless, good for nothing. You know, 45 years old in the basement playing video games, right? Let me give it a practical understanding. 
How is faith without works after Jesus gives us salvation, not because we earn it, but then you don't express that through love? How does that work? That works like a car that's tank is never filled with gas. It works about as good as a rowboat with one oar. You just go in circles. It works about as good as a guitar that never has strings. You see, your life and your salvation in Jesus is designed so that you would live it out in such a way that you would do good works. In fact, Jesus says, we are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. Well, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Get a job for Jesus? No, no. But, but it's really simple. In this church, our motto is simple. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. And it doesn't just happen with the ministries in this church. It happens with the people at work. How many of you have ever walked by somebody and seen them at lunchtime and you know that they're crying? And you're like, oh, I just don't want to bug them. Oh, Jesus, please help them, you know? Or that person that says, hey, can anybody give me a ride? And you're just thinking about, like, I just want to get home. But you know that you can help that person. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, our faith needs to be in motion. And so... For James, deeds are not deeds of the law, but these are deeds of Christian love to fulfill the royal law. A word of encouragement when more is plainly needed is not Christian love. Action is the key. It's like visiting widows and orphans or standing against any show of favoritism. James just brings up example after example, example in his book. The difference between James and Paul is the difference of a starting point versus a lifestyle that follows it out. I know I've said this example to some of you before, but I have a friend, he's, his name is Moshe. He owns a jewelry shop in Jerusalem in the Jewish quarter. And he said one time, and he used to, we used to always bring students to him so that he could share this story. But he said, you, you Christians don't get understand what it is to love God in the way that we understand him. You think that we're in bondage to the law and we're just trying to earn our way to heaven. And he says, that's not necessarily how we understand it. Now, understand this. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The only way to get to the Father. I believe that Moshe needs Jesus. But this idea of the law, that they understand it, is more like what James is talking about. He said this. He said, one time in the middle of the night, my wife was pregnant when we were newly married. And she just said, I am craving an orange so bad. How many of you ever have cravings, right? Guys have those too, by the way. Doritos, ice cream, you know. So she, she has this, she just, she just needs an orange. So he says, you bet, honey. Their first child, he gets in his car, he drives, he's gone for like an hour. It's hard to find a 24-hour store in near Jerusalem. He finally finds a place, he comes back, and he brings in like a ginormous amount of oranges, puts them down. And she's like, okay, well, I'm hungry and I'm craving oranges, but not that many. And he said, that's what it is to have faith with works, Paul. He goes, it's that you don't just want to simply do what your beloved asks. You want to outdo and overdo what they ask for. 
How many of us are grateful for what Jesus has done in our life? Why would we not want to express that by blessing other people and doing things for people and caring for people and loving people and helping people? And, and my mother and father, right now my father can't work, walk more than 10 feet without being completely out of breath. And so now it's just like, Dad, what do you need? You need some groceries? Let's do it. Um, you need a haircut? I'm like driving Miss Daisy. I'm taking him all over the place and doing that. I do that nonstop without complaining because he's my father and I love him. How much more should we, looking at our fellow brother and sister, whether they're in the church or outside of the church, look at them with compassion and say, I can meet that need. I can share God's love. I can help that person. He said, was not Abraham justified by his works? But then he goes down and he says this, consider Rahab. Consider Rahab. Represents, who does, what, what, why the example of Rahab? I'll tell you for two reasons. Both Abraham and Rahab represent people who weren't even a part of the kingdom. And when they became a part of the opportunity of being part of the kingdom, they said they did two things. They said true faith works on the side of action, whether it was Abraham offering up Isaac, whether it was Rahab helping the spies get away safely, but also true faith works despite personal risk and sacrifice. See, if Jesus is my Lord, he's not getting me to do things only so far as it's convenient for me. And he's not getting me to do things only so far as it's comfortable for me. I'm looking at him and I'm saying anytime, anywhere, any place, anything, if you ask me, I'll do it. And ask the worship team to come up. Not a really profound message. Last week was really fun, by the way, if you weren't here. Am I lying for those of you that were here? It's not crazy. I was out of control. It was a busy week, so this one's, this one's like a C message we get here, but it is an A-plus truth if we can get it. I, I did not, I grew up around the church, but I didn't grow up as the church. And uh, when I finally gave my life to Jesus, I, I was at church constantly. And I was constantly saying to the pastor of that church, I said, can I do anything? Can I help? What can I do? And so I said, I said to him, I said, just whatever it is, you just let me know, I'll do it. He, and then back then, we had these things called tape cassettes. I know those of you under the age of 30 are kind of like, what's that? You know, you say CDs, CDs are old, right? It's all digitized now. Um, I cleaned the church, I did anything. And then one time when we were there, we invited this group from uh, Faith Bible School in New, in, up in New Hampshire. And they came down and they were students, they were young people my age, and they were giving this, uh, in, fact, in fact, they're Faith International now. It's amazing, God's done some great things there. But um, they came forward and they said, if you're here today and you feel the call of God to full-time vocational ministry, we invite you to come forward and to dedicate your life to Jesus Christ. And I was like, what in the world did they just say, All right? But I kind of got enough to realize that they were saying this, is if you're here today and you want to give your life and offer it to God to do that, 
And this was my, this was my moment. I was already a Christian, but I walked up and I knelt down. I heard people pray things over me. I have no idea what they said. They weren't praying in the spirit and tongues or anything like that. They just used $24 million words that just went right over my head. But I remember this. I just said to Jesus, I don't know the detail of what they're saying, but I understand what they're asking. And I want you to know this, Lord. I owe you. Whatever you want with my life, it's yours. And this was, I was so broken at this time in my life, but I was so grateful to Jesus. I prayed the most, prayed the most ignorant prayer, but I meant this with all of my heart. So I'll just show you how ignorant I was, but I meant this with all my heart. I said, God, if me even going to hell let's two people go to heaven. I'm yours. You can do that. That isn't how God works, but that's how grateful I was. When, was. when was the last time you had a similar encounter with God's love and God's presence that reminded you of the day that you gave your life to him? How long has it been? Where the Holy Spirit shows up and you're praying something with deep, surrender and tears begin to pour down your face, not because you're being convicted of a sin, but because you're so grateful. You're like, God, I just, whatever you want from my life, it's yours. Anytime, anywhere, any place, anything. We don't do because we have to. James says we do because we're grateful. We don't get saved by our works. We get saved by grace. But what authenticates our life of being with Jesus is not church attendance. It's saying, God, anytime, anywhere, any place, anything. In my entire life of walking with Jesus, there's nothing that the Lord hasn't brought before me through people or through prayer when he when I sensed and knew I can meet this need I can do this God I never once said oh no 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 never once I've worked with children I've worked outside of the church I've worked inside of the church I've led music I I led prayer groups. I taught classes. I led worship. I worked with teenagers. I worked with young adults. I went to college. I went to uh, the Holy Land. I went to seminary. I went to, I, I went all, all over the world. And looking back at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I said yes to God, something better came my way. Something better happened. Listen, what I'm talking about is the, the walk of faith that some of you are so compartmentalized in a relationship with Jesus, you're trying to figure this thing out and, and, and you're just like, okay, I got my God thing going on here, but I got to go to work Monday. And you just don't even think about Jesus all week. And, and how, how can you hear what God wants you to do if you're not listening to him, if you're not talking to him? If you're not opening up that word, if you're not, there are people in this church who have come to Christ right off of the streets out of drug addiction and prostitution, they cannot read. You know what they do? They listen to the Bible. And they're doing incredible things. 
I'm not thinking of anyone in mind when I say this, and this is kind of a, this is like a pretty vanilla message today, but the truth is just change your life if you put it into practice. If you just go through your Christian life to consume God's forgiveness, God's word, God's musicians and music and moments there, and you never put works and pass that out, you're missing the whole point of what the faith is. The faith is a verb, it's an action expressed through love that says, God, I, and, and anywhere, anytime, any place, God, I'll sacrifice so that others might be blessed. That's what I'd like to do right now is as we stand across this room, nothing really incredibly magical about this, but that God would give a shift. I want to be born again again. I want to be the guy that brings in a pile of oranges when, because not because I had to at three in the morning, but because I wanted to outdo the desire of my beloved. See, nothing puts a smile on God's faith, his, his face more than when you and I go out of our way to show him we love him by showing other people that he loves them. People come to our church and they say, it's such a friendly church. It's a, it's a great church. It's this, it's that. That's not because Jesus is walking around this building. It's because you are letting Jesus work through you. And uh, this day, this isn't a guilt message to put you into action. But as we leave here, there's tons of ministry. And I want to say the one that needs help the most is security. By the way, if I could be on any ministry team in here, it'd be security. And I've proven it in the streets of Nashville. Yeah choked out a guy that had five people out of control, knocked him unconscious. It was amazing. Got 12 people from the church that witnessed it. Um, I'm bragging right now, but I got temper. But we need people on security, but there are tons of things. Serve our city. How, how will you know unless you, you go? You, you got to just check it out. And children's ministry. And man, we need you to, to do. Right now, this room is filled um, it's nice that COVID's starting to bring us kind of closer to where we were, but, but we don't want a, a building filled with people that are just observing. We want God to flow through you because somebody needs you. They don't need me. They actually need you. You're that person standing every week, helping people come in the door, greeting them. But there are other things that you can do. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Clint here who, who holds the door every week. You might not even know his name or even see the face I'm doing. Every week he's sitting there letting people in the door. And you know what he, he has a skill with? He's got a skill with a, with a backhoe. He can work with high machine, big machinery. And him and Lee Masarian came in and we're like, we need, to, we need more parking. We, we don't know what to do. They're like, pass it, don't worry about it. They came in here with machinery, got friends to loan it, dumped it out. Somebody's like, I can't do that kind of stuff, but I can make phone calls. Calls up somebody, says, we need gravel. Guy every year has been dumping it there because that person made that phone call. I didn't make that happen. They did that. And, and, and yeah, and I'm grateful for, for everything that, that's happened here. But in a weird kind of way, like some of the needs of the kingdom are people stuff. And some of them are like stuff that you do that I can't even begin to figure out. And 
So I encourage you, test drive a ministry. If you sign up for something, it doesn't mean you're trapped there. You just taste test it, taste test it. But my prayer is this, that God would restore the joy of your salvation. God would get you out of all the bitter battles you've been in through the years and just say, you know what? That I'm leaving in the past and I'm putting it behind me. And you begin to look forward into everything that God can do through your life. And you say, Lord, anytime, anywhere, any place, I'm grateful, I'm yours, I'll do it. Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for your people. I thank you for this church. And I just ask that you would help us to find a need and meet it, to find a hurt and heal it, and to find the joy of serving. Because if we find the joy of serving, we'll never want to be served again. Lord, we want to have a faith that doesn't simply observe or absorb, but Lord God is poured out, that is willing to outdo the desire of the beloved. Lord, we don't do things because we have to or because we need to shift our heart to do things because we want to. That's the kind of faith, the James faith in motion that we want. We give you glory, we give you praise, but more importantly, we give you our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for being with us today. If you want to watch this or listen to it again, you can always go to YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And for all news and updates about what's happening here at the church, you can go to ne-cc.org or lowellag.org. Thank you and God bless.